the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, everybody. A special announcement at the top of the week today. We are airing a classic episode. Uh, Noel, Max, and I were talking off air. We have a, uh, we have a presidential pets episode coming out. It's part two. So a, a while back, Noel, you'll remember we did presidential pets part one and, uh, we re-listened to it and it's actually, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And, you know, we wouldn't usually do this, but we figured if we're going to do a part two way, way in the future um, from right. part one that you may or may not have heard already, and we haven't released this one as a classic, we thought we'd, um, you know, do ourselves a solid. It's our birthday month. Uh, things have been happening. Uh, and this way you get part one followed by part two. So here's part one. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. addresses in the fair United States of America, perhaps the most prestigious, is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Welcome to the show. My name is Ben. Bears and raccoons and alligators and stuffy old white men. Oh my. <laughs> my name is Noel and this is Ridiculous History. And we were just chatting off air with the uh, the third member of our triumvirate, uh, super producer Casey Pegram, about animals, right? about pets, about the government, and, of course, about history. Because we've looked at some weird presidential things before. We've mentioned some. Um, but when you, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, the legumes and uh, peanuts, oh, those are the same thing, uh, the, uh, the beans and nuts of the, of the situation, presidents and presidential families are— like any other family. They're just like you or I. <laughs> of course, yes. Yeah, you know, they they do people stuff. They wear pants, <laughs> put them on, 
you know, one leg at a time, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they brush their teeth. They, Although they might have servants that put their pants on for them, in oh, which case that's that's different. And I, I don't have that. So. Right, or they might have someone brushing their teeth. They might have a machine that's been custom built to put pants on them. But we're not talking about pants machines today, are we, Ben? No, no, we are talking about something that is, I would say at the very least, equally fascinating. Yeah, we're talking about pets because, you know, in the interest of of appearing as as normal human beings, and you know, and possibly because of genuine love of animals, presidents often traditionally have pets. Although number forty five has eschewed pets and has spoken against pets, saying they were quote low class. But we're not here to talk about that today. We're talking about the legacy of presidential pets, particularly some kind of weird ones. Yes. So. <laughs> First off, I am baffled. That's new information to me. I can't believe, really? No pets, huh? No pets. Wow. That's kind of unusual historically because the other 44 presidents, uh, the majority of them did have some sort of, well, they or a family member did have some sort of animal companion. and A familiar, if you will. (laughs) Yes, a familiar, if you will. And when we say animal companion, of course, we mean stuff like, your typical dog, you know, they might have a pooch, uh, they might have a, a cat or something, but that's not it. Because you see, although uh, the base similarity uh, remains, the fact is that when you hold the highest office in the land, you and your family members get a little more uh, leeway, you have a little more agency. And so it turns out that there are quite a few exotic pets the presidents have had in the past. Yeah, did you know there's a thing called the Presidential Pet Museum, Ben? (laughs) Yes. I would love to check that out. But according to them, John Quincy Adams, who is the son of John Adams, and also, as it happens, the sixth president of the United States, he, I was about to say ruled, (laughs) he governed from 1825 to 1829. And legend has it, I don't know, maybe that's not legend, but... uh, uh, allegedly, let's say, he had an alligator that he kept in an unfinished room, the East Room, of what was then called the President's House. That's not very creative. It wasn't <laughs> until uh, Teddy Roosevelt changed the name officially to the White House in 1901. But this alligator apparently was gifted to Adams by the French military officer and uh, revolutionary hero and uh, and a uh, an important historical figure in the play Hamilton, Marquis de Lafayette, um, who fought with the U.S. against British forces during the American Revolution, and also lays down some sick bars in Hamilton. So the story goes that he would keep he kept this gator in a bathtub. Yeah, in this unfinished room in what was then called the president's house. And his his presidential prank was to surprise people by having this alligator. Gotcha. Got- oh, there goes your leg. <laughs> I'm president. That's how he ends every prank. Exactly. He laughs and mentions he's president. Uh, there are some people who would raise plot holes in this, right? So Frank Mazzotti, who is an ecologist and biologist at the University of Florida, says— He points out that if you had a large alligator in a bathtub in today's world, that's the thing. The alligator started off small, 
and you know, as it matured, it grew larger and larger. Uh, he said that it would be cruelty to animals. But also in that day and age, people didn't think about cruelty to animals near the same way. Here's the thing. There's kind of this cycle of, I would say, legends or folklore mm -hmm. about gators in the White House because there's also another story that says uh, the son of 31st president, Herbert Hoover, a century later in 1929 to 1933, his son, Alan Henry Hoover, also allegedly had two gators. But the problem is there aren't many primary sources, right? This mm -hmm. is sort of lore. We don't even know the names of these three alleged gators, right? Yeah, it's true. According to the White House Historical Association's Evan Pfeiffer, the whole thing with Lafayette, it's it it is has been passed around, but they can't, they haven't placed their hands on the actual origin of this story, or like you said, any kind of real primary documentation that is based, as Pfeiffer says, in reality. Joel Treese of the WHHA says, "quote There's no verifiable documentary evidence of that story." I think it's probably a legend, but uh, it's it's a pretty interesting legend just the same. And that's legend or no, not the only weird exotic pet that traipsed through the White House. Right. We have phantom gators, which is a cool phrase. And I'm so happy that we got a chance to say it on air. I'm going to just milk that one more time. Phantom gators. Phantom gators. But you are absolutely right, Noel. There have been quite a few strange pets. One thing that probably sticks out to a lot of people when you hear it is uh, Thomas Jefferson, the third president uh, from 1801 to 1809, had a pair of grizzly bears. Yeah, we were talking to Super Producer Casey before the show, and he was reminded of a Paul F. Tompkins bit talking about how wouldn't it be great if we could just keep like something like a bear, small, forever. And even <laughs> though it was ravenous and wanted to eat you, it would just kind of paw at you like a cat attacking your hand. Uh, and, you know, that'd be pretty manageable. So Jefferson got a pair of little grizzly bear cubs. I hope the mom wasn't around. That would be a bloodbath. But he got those as a gift from an explorer mm -hmm. of the American West. Yeah, Captain Zebulon Pike. Love I, that name. So names were so much cooler. Big time. Our names are okay, mm. but Zebulon? Zebulon. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like yeah. it should be followed with, like, the great. Right? Zebulon, the great and terrible. Uh, the bears arrived around the same time Pike sent a letter in October of 1807 explaining he had found the male and female cubs in the southern region of the Continental Divide. So the mother was not around. Um he recognized, Pike that is, that the grizzly was a different species of bear from those found in the east. And he said that they are considered by the natives of that country as the most ferocious animals on the continent. And he, Jefferson must have been aware of this because he would have heard from Lewis and Clark uh, about encounters with grizzlies. And our buddy Evan Pfeiffer over at the White House Historical Association made a point that these bear cubs were a smash sensation because people had never seen these before. This was not something that was around. They did not have them in zoos in the area. The zoos probably weren't even a thing yet. This was this <laughs> was very early on in the existence of, again, at the time, the president's house. So it was a big deal. People were excited to see it. The bears lived in a little enclosure that was on the lawn, um, and then eventually they were moved to Philadelphia. Right, yeah, and— 
people assume that because they have been in continual contact with humans as cubs, that they would maybe grow up to be gentle giants and, and large and calm. And, a little more docile. Yeah, and that was not the case. Uh, one of them eventually broke out of its cage and terrorized the family of the man who was taking care of them and had to be shot, and then they, the other one had to be put down as well. Because it turns out that one of our continent's most ferocious apex predators is not the kind of thing that you can just take home and hang out with. Unless you could miniaturize them. Unless you could miniaturize them, yes. And speaking of smaller pets, I got to tell you, man, have you ever seen those those YouTube videos of people who have a raccoon that just hangs out with them? I have. I have a friend whose parents mm-hmm. kept several raccoons in kind of a glass enclosure that was sort of built into the wall, kind of. Uh-huh. And, and they, they would take them out, and they were pretty chill and cuddly and kind of fun. Like, did you uh, play with whatever? I don't remember if I did, but I definitely saw them handling them. And it, it, it sort of acts sort of like a combination between a monkey and a cat. <laughs> That's a good description. Yeah, and Grace Coolidge, who was the wife of Calvin Coolidge, president number 30 from 1923 to 1929, did the very same thing with a raccoon named Rebecca. Rebecca the raccoon. Ugh, my heart is melting. Uh, So the weird thing about this raccoon, and I don't want, you know, if you dislike the Coolidge administration, just understand this was a very different time. Originally, Rebecca did not have a name because she was traveling to the White House to be part of the Thanksgiving menu. I'm sorry? They were going to cook the raccoon and eat her. Come again? But they fell in love with her. And so they said, oh, we were going to eat you, but now we're going to name you Becky. It's a Thanksgiving miracle. <laughs> Is that sort of like giving clemency to the turkey? Or I like guess Or pardoning so. the turkey? This feels a little bit more organic. Yeah. It feels like she just charmed her way into their hearts. That is bonkers. <laughs> and uh, and the, the weirdest thing about it is that they kind of spoiled her. They had this little gold-plated inscribed collar with Rebecca on it, and they had a little cage for her outside, and she just hung out. Until it went rabid, and they had to put her down. I made that up. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you made that up. I know, because that last one was the bears was a bummer. We need a little Yeah, we need some levity. We don't know what happened to Rebecca the raccoon ultimately, but it does seem as though she brought a lot of joy into the lives of of, of all that she encountered um, in, the, in the White House. And thankfully, she was not uh, consumed at the holiday table. She looks really happy in the pictures. Yeah, yeah, she does. And um, Grace Coolidge... Uh, a bit dour looking, but um, she really <laughs> seems to to enjoy the company of this raccoon. Um, next, we have we're sort of stepping uh, up the, the chain mm-hmm. of varmints. I guess you could call them, right? Yeah, like a, ba- a badger. There we go. A bag of badgers. A bag of badgers. That's a deep cut for just, longtime fans of the show. Just the one this time, and this was one of Theodore Roosevelt's pets. And we got to go deep. With Teddy Roosevelt, president number 26 from 1901 to 1909. So many pets. This man had a menagerie of animals that he brought with him to the White House. And uh, one of the famous ones was Hosiah the Badger, who um, was often uh, toted around the White House grounds by young Archie. Mm-hmm, Teddy's, Teddy's yeah. son. But listen, I- I'm going to laundry list these because they're just too 
charming. Sure. Uh, they're, uh, uh, they give me such joy. Josiah um, never bit faces. Really? Only he would bite legs sometimes. Okay. But, but, no, only but face. no face biting. So I'm just going to laundry list these. This yeah. comes from uh, the National Park Service website. And this is a list of the Roosevelt's family pets. They included a small bear named Jonathan Edwards, a lizard named Bill, guinea pigs named Admiral Dewey, Dr. Johnson, Bishop Doan, Fighting Bob Evans, and Father O'Grady, Maud the Pig, Hosiah the Badger, Eli Yale the Blue Macaw, Baron Spreckle the Hen, a one-legged rooster, a hyena, a barn owl, Peter the Rabbit, and of course, who could forget, Algonquin the Pony. Ah, Algonquin, what fond memories we have of our times frolicking on the lawn. You and Fighting Bob Evans. Was that it, Fighting Bob Evans? Fighting Bob Evans. (laughs) And, uh, I I really like Baron Spreckle, the the hen. These names are fantastic. Yeah. And and just speaking of fantastic names, the president's son, Archie, was so fond of Algonquin that his brothers, Kermit and Quentin, would bring the pony to his room through this elevator in the in the White House. Oh, wow. Uh, but Algonquin, apparently, according to the National Park Services, was so captivated, hypnotized even, by his own reflection in the elevator mirror that it was really hard for him to get out. <laughs> Algonquin is very into himself. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? 
Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Wasn't Teddy Roosevelt kind of like... Yeah, uh, like a like a naturalist, and an environmentalist, sort of an, an outdoorsman, mm-hmm. you know, which really holds true. There's even a story uh, from the National Park Service again where his son Quentin burst into an, an important meeting the president was holding in the Oval Office to show him four snakes that he had just gotten from a pet store. Uh, and of course, immediately all of the dignitaries in the room just registered annoyance with this precocious young lad. But when he plopped the snakes down onto the table, they all um you know, it's like getting up on your chair and squealing when you see a mouse or something. They they definitely retreated. One thing we should mention, though, about Roosevelt is much more than just a casual environmentalist. He used his authority constantly to protect wildlife. He created the United States Forest Service, which established 150 national forests, bird reserves, game reserves, national parks, national monuments, and so on. Is he the one that carried the big stick? As a rough rider? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he he rolled with DMX's crew. Yes, it's uh, it's true. It's uh, you know, you and I like to include a couple of absolutely true, incredibly not researched facts, and one of them is that uh, DMX and uh, Teddy Roosevelt communicated across time and space. They came up together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they came up together, but they were no uh, they were no Woodrow Wilson because in a way he had a huge collection of pets, but they were all the same. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson was seemingly a pretty generous president. He sacrificed some of the comforts, maybe even, of other presidents to kind of give back to the war effort. He had more of an ascetic life than some presidents. Exactly. And and part of this was, uh, I guess, partially to save on costs. Um, He had a flock of sheep that he kept on the White House lawn, 48 to be exact. Um, And that... 
their main purpose was to cut the grass. And they were sheared regularly and raised $52,000 for the Red Cross during an auction of that wool. And it was really important to Woodrow Wilson and his wife to set a good example you know, for American right. families and to show that you had to chip in to help out with the war effort. And, and I think that's pretty interesting. I think that's also commendable. It reminds me of, you know, some of the other efforts we've seen by administrations and the family members to encourage uh, better nutrition, right, or to give to charities. And in wartime, one interesting fact about the United Kingdom in wartime, the queen, when she got married, had to use the same like ration stamps to to buy the materials for her dress as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it's I, I think it speaks very highly to the character. And also, I was not familiar with the idea of using livestock to mow the lawn, but it makes sense. And I, you told me about talking about that with Scott, right? Yeah, From car stuff. Mm-hmm, with my buddy Scott Benjamin. It's a true story. Here in Atlanta, you can't actually rent goats for the purpose of lawn maintenance. And I'd like to know if you have an experience renting <laughs> goats for lawn maintenance. In for your, other reasons. Or other reasons. Whatever. In your neck of the global woods. Uh, and, you know, do you have goats? Do you want to rent us one? We'll just hang out with it in the office. Or sheep, but not 48. We don't have room for 48. Goats are apparently pretty cantankerous. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely um, dynamic personalities. Sheep might be a little more sedate. But horses, ponies, right? Stallions of all shapes and sizes. We often forget in 2017 that there was a time when the primary transport of the United States was going to be on foot or by horse, right? On foot or on hoof or on wheels pulled by hooves. The White House once upon a time had a stable large enough for 25 horses and a living area for the staff, the stable staff, right? Yeah, and and, and speaking of pitching in, apparently the stables caught on fire in 1864 and Abraham Lincoln himself hopped to and tried to help put out the blaze. Um, And for whatever reason, in the early 1900s, the stables were dismantled. And uh, Zachary Taylor, actually, um, which I believe he had one of the shortest presidential terms. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 16 months. Uh, I believe he died unexpectedly. Yeah, he's the 12th president. But he he uh, he had himself a war horse, Ben, mm-hmm. by the name of Old Whitey. <laughs> That's appropriate. <laughs> name for a presidential horse. I wonder if it started out with a different name. or You know, you got to wonder how the horse felt when it was uh, juvenile to be named Old Whitey. Old Whitey. Yeah. Old Whitey, yeah. Zachary Taylor uh, had Old Whitey. Old Whitey was, as Noel uh, said, in a war horse, which means a horse specifically trained to function in battle and uh, be combat ready, not be distracted or as easily shook by loud noises like cannon fire and such. Old Whitey and the Phantom Alligators. That's the that's the uh, ben. children's book. Oh, man. What do that's you think? got so much potential. A lot of legs. Um, <laughs> but by far, to me, the cutest presidential pony mm-hmm. belonged to John F. Kennedy's daughter, Caroline. And it was named Macaroni. <laughs> you know, like Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony, oh, stuck a feather yeah. in his head and called, called it, it macaroni. macaroni. That one. Do you know the etymology of that? This is kind of a side note. No, give it to me. So macaroni 
at least in mid-18th century England, was uh, a, a description of a fashionable dude, like almost a hipster type, who uh, dressed a little bit foppishly and uh, had uh, outlandishly flamboyant speech mm-hmm. and affectations. Like a Liberace type. I, you know, I feel like that's accurate. No, I'm, I'm serious. Like, he, he had those, like, uh, lace, frilly lace things on his, on his wrists and his collars and um, sort of like a French duke. Yeah, and <laughs> there we go. And it came about because young men of means, of course, traveled right. to Italy. Yes. And they developed a taste for uh, macaroni, the pasta. And sure. it wasn't very famous in England then, so then when they came back— They were uh, said to belong to the Macaroni Club. Here's an example I'm showing you with the big wig. Total French Duke. Yeah. Love it. uh, And so when they stick a feather in their cap and call it macaroni, it's like, oh, look, I have a feather in my cap. Now I'm one of these hip people. Yes. Which is so weird because for the longest time, that song made no sense to me. I I just thought it was like absurdist kind of, you know, and yeah. (laughs) I have derailed us so No, not at all. We learn about all kinds of silly stuff on this show and, and, and I love it. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man, and funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. 
And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I object to the next pet on this list. I'm just going to say it categorically. I'm not a fan of these animals. Possums? Not my favorite. No. I don't like their beady little pink eyes. And the way they glow in the dark. And how they have so many teeth and they have a rat tail. And that irritating silent O at the beginning of their names. What's that about? (laughs) Some people pronounce it. Some people don't pronounce it. It's just bedlam. There's no rhyme or reason to pronouncing the name of this rodent. So, yes, possums. A divisive marsupial, if ever there was such. Yes, and and, and, and thank you for correcting that, Ben. It is a marsupial, not a rodent. (laughs) I still think it has a rat tail. Anyway, so Benjamin Harrison, uh, go Ben's in general, people named Ben, uh, 23rd president from 1889 to 1893, loved animals, this guy. And while he was in office, he had not one, but two pet possums. One was named Mr. Protection and the other was Mr. Reciprocity. Which sounds like he's got this whole thing going on. Yeah. It's, it's weird. He, th- he doesn't sound like the most fun guy. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that's interesting is that the Harrison family loved Mr. Protection, Mr. Reciprocity. And apparently they were good, uh, what we would call optics nowadays for the American public. Now, like, he can't be all that bad. Look at his possums. Look at his trash rats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry to any possum fans out there, but they, they give me the skeevy jeevies. They're quite common where we live. They really are. Yeah. You'll see them scampering across the top of a fence right. of a night. Going to Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> Stinking up the joint. <laughs> but yes, out of out of all the strange presidential pets, those are the only ones that I'm kind of eh, on the fence about. And this opened up a a strange culture that I was unaware of. I don't know if you knew. A possum hole, if you will. A possum hole, if you will. Yes, let's let's assume uh, that we do, and uh, let's hope you do as well. It turns out that lots of world leaders have had lots of weird pets. Benito Mussolini had a lion. 
Mm. He had, sure. He had a baby like you do. Yeah. And we talked about Pablo Escobar and his hippos, right? Mm, the giraffes and other assorted, exotic, uh, large, unwieldy beasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was North Korean dictator uh, Kim Jong-il, not his son, Kim Jong-un. Yeah, it was Kim Jong-il had uh, this huge love of dogs and later on, his son opened a dog zoo pavilion. So it's a zoo, but just dogs. You know what would be a good rap name? What's that? Kim Jong-il. <laughs> With two L's? With two L's. How is that not a thing yet? It's, it probably That's a is. great idea. It probably is. That's a great idea. Uh, Fidel Castro had a cow named Ubre Blanca. And Idi Amin did have crocodiles for real, but he fed them corpses of his enemies. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's a functional pet right there. Yeah. It's like those giant pigs in uh, that Silence of the Lambs movie, Hannibal or whatever, mm-hmm. that eat the bodies. Yeah. Uh, or in uh, Deadwood, too. Woo, woo and his pigs, you know. I mean, that that animal had a job. That exactly. There, just like, it wasn't just a charming thing like Rebecca the raccoon. Exactly. But what about the what about the other non-exotic pets, Noel? Yeah, it seems as time progressed, presidential pets have gotten progressively more vanilla. Uh, the most popular and recognizable presidential buddy is is the, the the dog, the loyal friend of man and woman, the canine. Yeah, I mean, dogs and people we go we go way back, and there's pretty compelling evidence uh, that humans have impacted the evolution of dogs. Yeah, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the 32nd president from 1933 to 1945, had a pretty famous um, companion by the name of Fala. It was a Scottish terrier and it famously attended his funeral um, and is now uh, remembered at the uh, FDR Museum in Washington. Oh, man. That's, Isn't that sad? Yeah. You know what it makes me think of? A Pixar movie? Well, <laughs> a Disney property for sure, though. Um, you know, Carrie Fisher famously uh, played Princess Leia and, and did a great job in her last role in The, the Last Jedi, which I really enjoyed quite a lot. Um, she had a, a loving dog that she took with her everywhere. Whenever she was on the press circuit, she always had this little dog. And apparently... Uh, the dog attended a, a premiere, or s- whenever it sees her on TV, it kind of gets gets bummed out. And I think the dog actually had a cameo in the Last Jedi. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's amazing. That's a that's a more heartwarming note there. I think so too. Moving on back to presidents, we had Warren G. Harding, President Number Twenty Nine, nineteen twenty one to nineteen twenty three. Um, his dog's name was Laddie Boy. And he gifted <laughs> Laddie Boy a hand-carved chair to sit alongside him during meetings. It's good to be king, you know. And when it comes to the type of animals that are present in the White House, by far, as Noel said, they're going to be dogs. But I'm, I'm amazed with these names, you know. Like this goat named Old Whiskers. Taft had a cow named Pauline. Last cow to live at the White House so far. And it seems that almost... Well, it seems that the vast majority of presidents at least had a dog, doesn't it? It does seem that way. And there's a great quote that kind of sums all this up from Evan Pfeiffer from the White House Historical Association um, that sort of gets to the heart of this, what, why this is such a thing, um, except for with our current president. Um, 
pets humanize the White House and the presidency. Just like so many Americans have pets, so do the presidents. It's a link between the life of a president and the life of millions of Americans. And I think that is spot on. And that is a good time for us to end today because this is making me miss my pets a little bit. You know, I want to go take them out and hang out with them and and, uh, go on walks and adventures. Uh, It reminds me also, folks, we'd like to hear about what kind of exotic animal you would keep as a pet. No holds barred, you know, if this is a wishes or horses type situation where the animal would have all the you know, all the freedom to move around that it wanted to and it wouldn't be stuck in any position of cruelty. But if you could, like, be friends with any any exotic animal, what would it be and why? I would want a, a baby hippopotamus that just stayed a baby forever. See, I would want a tiger or a bear that, that could talk to me and, uh, you know, we would hang out and we would go... I don't know. We we would go uh, adventuring. Skiing, maybe? Yeah, we get some tiger. Trail walking? Bear skis. Mm-hmm. We'd probably start with just trail walking, yeah. We'll have to ease into, like, laser tag and stuff. There you go. That sounds like a friendship for the ages, Ben. Thanks, man. And uh, we want to hear uh, your thoughts. Uh, as you can tell, we're, we're very much fans of presidential trivia. And I think the quote by Evan there nailed it, the motivation for these strange and unusual pets. Uh, we very much hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope that you will check us out, send us a review wherever you get your podcast, and you can also find Noel and I on Instagram, Facebook, and... That's the one. It's popular, but doesn't know how to make money, apparently. It's true. And and most importantly, I hope you're having a happy new year. I feel like we missed the boat on saying that. Oh, yeah. Happy um, new year, everyone. Yeah, and I just want to mention, too, um, this show is produced and edited by Casey Pegram, and our theme music is composed by the lovely Alex Williams. Um, And we record here in our studios at Pont City Market in Atlanta, Georgia. And we also want to thank our fellow researcher, John Donovan, who wrote the article uh, on the history of strange animals in the White House for How Stuff Works. And most importantly, we want to thank you for listening and hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of Ridiculous History. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.